Aloha and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Got Your Six podcast. This six-question podcast brings together high performers to share their methods, strategies, and ideas delivered in an informative and, most importantly, actionable way that'll help you lead yourself and those around you from the battlefield to the boardroom. Coming to you every episode, I'm your host, Tony Nash. And into the breach. Nothing mentioned on this podcast is an endorsement or opinion of the Department of Defense. I got your six, we got your back. Got your six, we got your back. Got your six, we got your back. I got your six. I don't know what you've been told. The views we have are all our own. Yes, we serve the DOD. But my opinions come from me. I couldn't be more excited today, Sixers, to have our next guest on. Kristen Grice has become synonymous with being the first. At the core, she wants to be known for who she is right now, an infantry officer. She was the first in her family to join the military when she was selected to attend the United States Military Academy at West Point. Kristen was the first of two females to graduate from the Army's Premier Leadership Academy, also known as Ranger School. She was also the first female to branch and command an infantry unit in the history of the United States Army. She was named to Fortune's Magazine's 2016 list for World's Greatest Leaders and was inducted into the United States Army Women's Foundation Hall of Fame in 2018. Kristen, what an honor it is to have you here today. Oh, thanks, Tony. Yeah, no, I'm really excited to be here. Thanks for having me on. So I know you're still doing your thing in the military like some of us, but there's got to be something along the way, like even when you're on leave, or other people call it vacation, or something that you implement daily while you're in the military, whether it's from like West Point as a cadet, what would you say that one thing is? Well, when you put it that way, in terms of like something I do on leave, uh, the first thing that comes to mind is, uh, you know, physical training for PT. You know, I love that the phrase from the former Sergeant Major of the Army, uh, Bailey, when he said, PT is not the most important thing you're going to do today, but it's the most important thing you do every day. Um, and I'd be lying if I said I did it every day, but I do try to to get it in even when I'm on leave. You know, when you first started talking about that, I was thinking something that I get from the military that I implement uh, specifically is the idea that, you know, if you see something wrong, um, you're responsible. That like makes you responsible for fixing it. Um, I think that's something I probably do a little more on the job. I don't know, <laughs> not so much off the job, but um, you know, even if you're not in charge of something, or you may, maybe don't even have any formal role in it. Um, I think being a leader in the military is something that they really ingrained in us is that if you see something wrong, now you've just become responsible for fixing it and not just walking by it and letting it uh, persist. You know, you're kind of in an unofficial capacity responsible for, for fixing things that are going sideways. Yeah, taking ownership of, of something that you see, see going wrong. Um, so I think that's something pretty unique to the military 
that I don't think I had a, a huge sense of that, of like taking leadership roles and changing things um, before, you know, I always had, I think, a strong moral compass from my parents and my family and community, but not so much in the sense of like, oh, you're a leader and you're expected to to go and change this, you know? No, having to step up, even though like you're not technically on or it's something that falls underneath your peer view, but going out there and just making sure things are right because then it yeah becomes a standard otherwise. Yeah. Then you kind of can do it. <laughs> right. And you've talked about your, your like growing up and your, your background, right? Along the way, is there any like book, like a course, maybe like a video or something that you've really like has been impactful that has helped you become like the first in all these different places? So one thing that had a huge impact on me, I usually talk about is, you know, I took this American politics course when I was a sophomore at West Point and the instructor was a Green Beret. Um, he was really popular. It was, he was part of the reason everybody wanted to take the class because he was really kind of out of the box thinker. Um, he would take cadets on like really interesting trips and have really cool guest speakers come. And he had us write a paper on, you know, a political issue, an American political issue that we were interested in. And I had mentioned that I wanted to be an infantry officer back then. This is like 2009, I think. And, and uh, so he knew that, but I still felt really presumptuous at the time when I was 19. Yeah. And women were not allowed to be in the infantry until. Until 2016. Right. So you're, you're looking nine, six years into the future in 2009. Yeah, I mean, I went to West Point specifically to be an infantry officer, and I felt like I had like four years to like, you know, try to make, not that I had much to do with, or like much ability to make anything happen, but to figure out like, why isn't this allowed, and should it be allowed, and and if so, like, how can we make it a thing? Um, but I was kind of like a little naive to how that all worked, <laughs> but I found out a lot during that class. So when he asked what we were interested in writing about, I remember raising my hand, or no, he called on me. And he was like, what are you going to write about? And I felt really presumptuous saying like, I'm going to write about, you know, why women aren't allowed in the infantry. And he was like, good, I was hoping you'd say that. And like something that small from like somebody of his stature, he's a major in special forces. And he was a man, you know, saying like, good, I want you to take this issue on. I was like, okay, cool, sir. And then I remember the secretary of the army came to visit West Point. And having read into the policy a little bit, I realized, you know, the Secretary of Army had a huge role in this, obviously, especially back in 1993 when the policy was solidified or uh, reconfirmed. Uh, I was like, hey, sir, would it be okay if I tried to interview the Secretary of the Army while he's here? And again, I felt really presumptuous asking that, like, this is one of the, this is the senior ranking civilian in the Army, um, and I'm just a cadet. And I, some part of me was like, I'm just a girl cadet, I think, in the back of my mind, sadly. And this is a really big topic. And he was like, he was like, you should talk to him like you're the most important person he's going to speak to that day, you know, respectfully. But, you know, your opinion matters is kind of the point he was trying to give me. And I never forgot that. And I think that really emboldened me. I did get to interview the Secretary of the Army, kind of snuck into a gathering he was uh, hosting for cadets. Yeah, and, and I continued to ask the chairman of the Joint Chiefs at one point, the Secretary of Defense, and, you know, everybody I mentioned this to, I was just hoping it would someday, like, lead to something, and it did my senior year. But 
I, I really remember that as far as like courses that sort of changed my trajectory a little bit. I became a political science major. You know, I took the course because I heard this professor was outstanding, not knowing much about politics. And then I like really got interested in politics. I mean, not politics, but like the way the government runs and whatnot and policy. What an incredible story, right? And then now here we are, the nomination for the first secretary of the army to be a female, right? And it, yes, I didn't even think of that. When I went through your bio, it was like the first, the first, but I was very mindful not to say the first female because at the end of the day, like a leader is a leader, right? It doesn't matter who you are and whatever foxhole you end up in, you want to make sure the person to the left and right of you is willing and committed to the same mission that you're on. Yep. Yeah, for sure. And it's it's tough walking this little balance of, okay, I want to be treated as an equal. Um, I don't want any special treatment. And then at the same time, where do I find opportunities to reach out to women the same way, you know, Major Sowers at the time reached out to me and like, let me know that, hey, you, you may be thinking that this isn't appropriate, but you are absolutely like a good person to go to go pursue this path. Cause I think there's still a lot of that um, self-doubt and self-limitation out there. So I try to, as kind of a fine balance of all, cause I also don't want to exclude anybody. I treat my male and female subordinates um, and soldiers. I mean the same. So yeah, I think that's something I s- sometimes struggle with a bit. Yeah. that's, I mean, that's hard for any leader. And then to go back a little bit to major Tommy Sowers, when Kristen says that he was like a force to be reckoned with and people revered him for his leadership ability and stuff. He also had an action figure model that's one of like the first Call of Duty uh, soldiers. So like this guy, to meet somebody that has their own action figure, that's like next level. So not to go away from the, the whole leadership point, but I wanted to just make sure like, here you are as this young cadet, n- never really been in the military, learning about it over you know number of years. And then to be so empowered internally to continue to seek out answers and write, ask people in, in positions that can make change. Why can't the change occur? I think is extremely meaningful, empowering for other people. And it just shows like people have questions and if you're asking them, you never know what's going to happen. And here you are, you know, Ranger infantry officer, you've been checking off your list slowly, but surely. And that's just so cool. Yeah, thank you. And so him encouraging me, kind of, I guess the end of that story, him encouraging me to continuously speak out and not feel like I was presumptuous, feel like I had a right to do that and assert my opinion and my desire to, to be an infantry officer. You know, I took that and, and told everybody that and it usually didn't go anywhere. But my senior year, when I mentioned that during a cadet interview, a ranger qualified for somebody who had actually served in ranger regiment and a lieutenant colonel at the time. He took note of that. And then he allowed me to join his infantry mentorship club, even though it was previously all male, he opened it up to women and it, you know, just like, Hey, yeah, good, good point. There are women who want to be infantry officers and go to ranger school. And then he held us to the same standard that he held the men to. And that just kind of snowballed into this like momentum of feeling like, I had support to be there. And then it was not only like, can you do this, but you should be trying to do this. Um, it was kind of Colonel Herter's, my, my next mentor's um, attitude towards it. And if I failed the physical, you know, test, like I, I did frequently at the time, he was like, hey, I don't care if you're a woman, like you can do this and you should, so get there, you know? And uh, that had a huge impact on me for sure. 
that's a that's a very interesting and i i want to kind of dive into that a little bit you talked about failure like so you're trying to go out and compete and have everybody have the same standard and physical fitness is a huge part of that you had trouble at points passing the physical test at the level that you wanted to be at what other failures have been at the time like probably extremely devastating but have ended up being your greatest success well, one of them was failing the five mile run when I was a cadet for Colonel Herder. He had us do, I think, an RPFT. So the RPFT, the Ranger Physical Fitness Test. Yeah, Ranger Physical Fitness Test. So it's actually, you know what? I think it was actually the upper body round robin that we did, which was uh, push ups, pull ups, dips, sit ups, bench press your own body weight, which was something I could not do for a couple of months. So this was just like a workout. It wasn't even part of the Ranger physical fitness test, this round robin. Right. But it ended with the five mile run, 40 minutes, which I knew was part of the Ranger physical fitness test, which is push up, sit ups, five mile run and chin ups. So I ran it in like 41.30. What time do you need to run it in? 40 minutes. So this is when I was a senior at West Point and he just kind of looked at me like, what? you knew this was coming. Like, why aren't you prepared? It wasn't like, oh, it's okay. Cause you're a girl. Um, you know, it was like, Hey, what? So that was like stuck in my head for a long time. I thought I just wasn't really capable of it. That ended up becoming one of my biggest strengths when I was preparing to go to ranger school. Basically we'd heard that it was likely going to open up. This was the summer of 2014. And I was like, Oh, I need to like take this seriously now. So even though I had that as a goal in my mind for four years, this five miles and 40 minutes, I didn't really start taking it super seriously until about four months before I had to show up to this pre-ranger in October at Fort Campbell or November rather. So that summer I laid on, you know, a marathon. I signed up for the army 10 miler. Colonel Herter again told me, he's like, Hey, plan to run the army 10 miler at seven minute pace. And I thought that sounded crazy. And he would kind of check in. He was at a different duty station, but um, he'd be like, how far did you run this week? How far did you, you know, how fast were your, were your sprints this weekend? So I did run the army 10 miler at a seven minute pace. And that like blew my mind that I was able to do that. And then when I went to the pre-ranger course at Fort Campbell, I came in first place out of the men, the five mile run, but then, and here was really my bigger failure that became a bigger success. I think was that I failed land navigation and I was so embarrassed. So I need to get I needed to get certified to go down to the Fort Benning Pre Ranger, and I needed to pass this gate at Fort Campbell. So I failed land navigation. I was so embarrassed. Um, I had to go back to my unit, you know, feeling like really pretty embarrassed. But then I spent the whole next month in the woods, you know, in the back forty of Fort Campbell, finding points. And I went from thinking that. You know, I'd never failed land nav before, but I was never really good at it. And I just always thought like, oh, I, I don't really get this that well, but I'm good enough until I wasn't. And in my mind, I was like, oh, this is just something I'm not very good at. But then like, I basically studied it and became like one with the forest that month of November and like was out there on my own. Took a, a friend what came out with me one time and I was like, hey, show me what I'm doing wrong, man. And he kind of explained it in such a way that I was like, oh, man, yeah. It just kind of clicked. And I felt like the map was like the answer key. You know, I was like, I can't get lost now. I got it. Right. And so land nav, you mean land navigation, essentially where you're going out in the field with a map, a compass, 
there's points out there and you just need to find it. Yeah. Sorry. I'll translate from like army to English. So they give you like five points. And I think we had to four hours to find them. And it's just a grid coordinate. And they're about a quick, you know, a kilometer apart or, or several kilometers, you know, maybe four or five. And if you don't find them all in a time period, you know, and all you have is a map and a compass and a protractor. Right. No phones, no GPS. You can't use any of that. No GPS. So it's not just a physical thing of like getting to the points. It's finding them in the middle of the woods. And how do you identify these points? What do they look like? Uh, so it's a tiny square sign that's like, you know, orange and white, which you think would show up like a beacon in the woods. But if you're not within 10 meters of that sign, you're probably not going to see it. Or if you're coming at it from the wrong angle. Because um, it could be hit by a tree. So you could be on the other side yeah. of what where the point actually is. Yeah. So when you when you get to the sign, there's a code on it. So that's how they know you actually got to the point and found it. You write the code down and you, there's a little hole punch that's specific to it. Uh, so then fast forward, I, I go back to the pre-ranger at Fort Campbell. I ended up being the honor graduate then, passed LANAV, went down to Fort Benning pre-ranger course, which was a prerequisite for women. We had to pass it there, managed to do that. So there was tw- 25 women in January going to that course and five of us passed. And then in ranger school, at one point, I was the compass man and we were doing a practice exercise. So this wasn't a graded patrol, but I was, you know, navigating for the squad and a squad is about 12 people and they were all men. And we got to our objective like extremely early and the, the ranger instructor was like, hey, who is navigating here? And uh, everybody kind of looked at me and they're like, all right, well, just keep her as your compass man this entire time because she knows what she's doing. And I was like, so like blown away by the fact that this had been such a huge failure of mine. And now I had a ranger instructor telling me and telling my squad to just make me in charge of navigation, you know? Because he was like, I don't even know what to do with you guys. You're so early. Just sit down, like take a break because that four was, you know, nowhere to be found at that point. (laughs) I mean, what an incredible thing to be there in ranger school, like actually in the arena doing your thing and be recognized for being like the person who's best at land, the thing that you were fearing for so long. Yeah. I mean, it was huge because it really just uh, showed me that, you know, pretty much it applies to anything where I think that, oh, I'm just naturally not good at this. I just remind myself like, well, how much have I really practiced it? or dug into it and not just assume that I can never get good at it. So that has like compounded, you know, for other events in my life, pretty much anytime I approach something and I'm, I'm immediately not good at it. I'm like, mm, it's probably because I haven't, you know, really actually trained myself properly. <laughs> yeah. You don't have enough experience going through whatever evolution. Right. So then what skill or ability or talent are you trying to work on right now? that you're not really good at? So right now, um, and I've kind of spoken a little bit about this publicly, or written about it rather, is the ACFP, the new Army Combat Fitness Test. Okay. What, what, is, the, what is that? So it entails it's six events. Let me see. So it's deadlift, three rep max. Then it's a standing power throw, which is my weakest point. It's throwing a 10-pound medicine ball backwards over your head for distance. And the deadlift is in a trap bar, right? It so is. It, like it's, it's a little bit than just like a straight line barbell. Right. But I think the trap bar is supposed to be easier than the straight barbell. Yeah. So you got the deadlift throw, 
Yep. And then push-ups, which are similar to regular push-ups, but you, except you lay all the way on the ground and extend your arms out. Okay. And then a sprint drag carry event, which is a 250-meter shuttle sprint where some of the shuttle legs you're sprinting, some you're side shuffling, and then you also have to drag a 90-pound sled and carry 40-pound kettlebells on the legs. Then it's a leg tuck, which is like hanging from a pull-up bar, flexing your arms and pulling your knees to your elbows. It's hard to imagine. And then always going back down. So you're pulling up to your knee, yeah. knees to elbows and then going back down. So you go back down to a dead hand and then a two-mile run after that. The run, which we love. Big fan. The lo- that's my favorite event. And I hope they don't get rid of that one. That's the one I feel like I got in the bag. Um <laughs> So yeah, so like push-ups, leg tucks, two-mile run, I'm good with. It's the deadlift, uh, ball throw, and then the sprint drag carry. I feel like I could improve greatly on each of those events. And right now, I can meet the old standard they set for the infantry, but just barely with the ball throw. So (laughs) that's something I'm really focusing on now is uh, explosive power, also just overall leg strength, because that's going to, you know, help with the sprint drag carry and then also the, uh, the deadlift. So it's kind of nice. I think it's a fun event to train for. It's, you know, it's everything. It's full body. It's got to feel thrilling too, to be a novice, learn these new skill sets. It's like, wow, I can see a huge improvement here potentially. Whereas with the old army physical fitness test, it was two minutes of push-ups, two minutes of sit-ups and a two-mile run. And I felt like once I joined the infantry, I was, you know, got myself to be maxing the men's scale at the 17 to 21 year old level. And I was like, okay, I feel confident that I can consistently keep this up, but then there was really no, nothing beyond that other than trying to maybe get your 12-mile road march time down or something. That's awesome. So when are you like looking to test or like how far have you come since you started or are you just still in like the very beginning phases? So I tested it last year before COVID happened. Uh, my best was 531. Uh, that was January of 2020. And then uh, out of 600 points, sorry. So each event, you can get 100 points. In. Oh, so overall for the ACF, you got to 531 in points. Right. Um, and that was really, you know, taking it my second time. But I don't know, you know, after a year of COVID and not having gym access, I feel like really all I did was like run. I did some push-ups and abs and pull-ups, but not too much opportunity to deadlift. Or I guess I didn't get too creative with the, the other two events as well. So... That's where I feel like I'm kind of catching up right now. And uh, I'm kind of excited to see how I do on April 23rd is when I'm taking it. I also know that you're a great roommate uh, because my wife, while Lindsay was going through West Point, you both were roommates uh, and you guys were always, not so much showmanship and I'll try to show each other up, but continue to help each other grow, get stronger and better. And I, I know that you both look at each other as like, you know, worthy rivals as you're, you're constantly trying to better yourselves that you look to each other for growth and strength through all of this. Yeah. So yeah, Lindsay's been excited. We got a trap bar here at the house. Then, you know, she's doing her thing, practicing, getting ready for the ACFD as well. So it's, it's awesome to hear your experience is very similar to her experience. Yeah. No, Lindsay's my best friend from West Point. So yeah, that also best friend. I didn't want to, you know, overstate, but I, I know you guys are, you know, <laughs> in a pot. Um, no, that's cool that, you know, you're, you're putting yourself back out there and being a novice again, right? Look at the last five years, right? There's, I'm sure there's some sort of like new belief or behavior or habit that has really kind of improved your life with all this like newfound information 
going through ranger school, becoming an infantry officer, because you were a military police officer before when you first got out of West Point, right? So now you've had a, like, you're in a whole new field from where you started, what you thought you were going to do during your military career. So over the last five years, like what has most improved your life, whether it's a belief or behavior or habit? I think that, you know, it's kind of ironic when I graduated from ranger school, you know, there, I thought that was going to like end the criticism about women in the infantry. And it's like, oh, you know, okay, cool. The women graduated. I guess they can do this, but it was really the exact opposite. It was like a lot of mostly people on the internet saying, you know, oh, they didn't really graduate. The standards were lower. They didn't have to carry as much weight. They didn't really pass their patrols, stuff like that. You know, just a lot of criticism on the internet. Um, and having to deal with that, I almost felt like was like the fourth phase of ranger school for me. <laughs> and I, I really like learned so much about myself, about how to treat other people, which I always thought, you know, I believe in treating people the way you want to be treated, but. Right. The golden rule. Yeah. I think that's the most important rule to live by, to be honest with you. But um, realizing like how much, uh, I don't know, just how negative it was. And, you know, just all this judgment from people who didn't know me, who were speculating about me, assigning motives to everything I was doing. I think, you know, I was able to turn that around and be like, oh, wow, I'm never going to do that to other people. And being a graduate of the Ranger School as well, like, there is no way you can fake or change the standard in any way. Like, it's going to suck for everyone who's out there. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, our peers were, were very cool. Like, our peers in ranger school were very supportive of us but you know coming out of ranger school I kind of put this pressure on myself that it was like oh I constantly had to defend myself a bit you know some captain finally told me he was my commander at the time he was like hey Chris why are you worrying about every woman that comes after you now obviously I'm still going to worry about them but you know I was putting all this pressure of like every single thing I do every single interaction I have is like every guy's impression of a female ranger school graduate or a female infantry officer. And he's like, you know, you, you got to like put that aside and just be the best version of yourself. You can be every day and you're not going to be perfect. And, but that's all anybody can ask of you. And I was like, I don't know. I feel like I needed somebody externally to tell me that. And that, that attitude has really helped me a lot. I think try to be the best version of myself every day. And, and a part of that is not ever trying to hold anybody else back. Um, whether, you know, I don't know how you would do that in person, but I mean, like, you know, just hoping the best for everybody, treating everybody the way I want to be treated. Giving of yourself to others, right? Like, like you do. And kind of like, you know, the way that Major Sowers told me, like, talk to the Secretary of the Army, like I was the most important person he's going to speak to. Like, I flip that around and I'm like, try to treat everybody like they're the most important person I'm going to speak to. Because I kind of have been, you know, always um spoken to uh, or received very well from from higher uh, since like, even before ranger school obviously but um you know i appreciate that so i that's a really rambling convoluted answer but no no, no it's it's a great answer right like being the best version of yourself so then all right here's the question right how are you better than yesterday um well very specifically i think you know, one thing I'm really trying to focus on right now, in addition to working out, is like actually getting more sleep. Um, so I'm pretty proud that I got like seven hours of sleep last night. Yeah, like I actually just 
So, so you, as you know, I just got an iPhone finally. Right. Welcome, welcome to no longer being a green bubble uh, when we text. The resistance has fallen. <laughs> but yeah, so there was like an app that's like, hey, set this, you know, actual like time period. And I'm like, you know what? I really need to do this. I'm going to take care of myself and try to be better um, because sleep is important. But I'm such a night owl that I would stay up till like three in the morning every night, um, even when I have to get up at six. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to really prioritize this and try to get seven to eight hours, you know, every night and, and look at that as just as important as nutrition and exercise. Cause it is, I mean, it's probably more important, you know, for your, just for your brain thing. Um, Cause you're only in the gym for an hour or so a day, probably in there more. So what are you doing with those, the, other, the rest of the time, right? What do you put in your body? How are you recovering? That's, that's massively underrated because it, it, it doesn't look cool, right? Like, Hey, sleep more. You'll you'll feel better. You're like, will I look better? And the answer is actually, yeah, you will. Yeah, everything will be better if you sleep more. Um, it's a combat multiplier for sure. And I think that's like the opposite of the attitude, of especially a lot of the young people in the army. Um, like, oh, if I just keep driving myself into the ground, that's what's gonna, you know, work. But it's like, I get, I feel so much better and like have such more clarity of thought when I actually get a good night's sleep. I feel much more productive. Instead of like making coming up like how can this suck more? It's like how can I be better prepared for when it does suck? Yes, yeah, so it's a, it's definitely a work smarter, not harder kind of uh, kind of idea. Awesome. Well, Kristen, thank you so much for sharing your story, your insight, but most importantly, thank you for having our six. How can people find you if they want to connect? Oh, so I'm on Twitter now. So Chris underscore Grace. Okay. Uh, so spell that out for us. Oh, so it's, you know, at K-R-I-S underscore G-R-I-E-S-D. And then that's also my name on Facebook now. I just created a like Facebook page, which there were a lot of fake accounts out there of me. So I was like, oh, let me just actually create a real one. I have not posted a single thing on that account, but um, you can find me there. <laughs> it's it's coming. And that means, you know, all those haters out there making the fake accounts, probably going to get that blue check next to your name sooner rather than later. I do. I should. I will do that. But it is Chris Grice, not Kristen. Awesome. Kristen, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Again, the story, your insight is extremely invaluable. Thank you for taking the time. And most importantly, again, thank you for having our six on the Got Your Six podcast. Thank you so much for having me. This was uh, really fun. Appreciate it. Sixers, this episode of the Gotcha Six podcast is brought to you by 10,000. I'm going to kind of break the fourth wall here, but 10,000 makes hands down the best training shorts I've ever worn. I mean, they're durable, mobile, and versatile. My personal favorite, though, is the tack short. It comes in five and seven inch inseams. Talking to the great people over at 10,000, if you go to 10,000.cc and use the promo code GOTYOUR6, that's GOTYOUR and the number six at checkout, you'll get 15% off your order. That's 10,000.cc, not .com. Use the promo code GOTYOUR6 for 15% off. Six is running a new segment in a couple episodes, and I'm super excited about it. Talking to all these incredible high performers, I've realized we need to stack the wins to achieve massive success. And I want you to know I have your back in these accomplishments. Let me know. Go to either Twitter or Instagram, GOTYOUR6POD with the number six. There's a Google form there. Let me know a win you or somebody else recently experienced and deserves some recognition. 
I want you to know I'm stacking the wins with you each episode, so we'll give you a little shout out at the end of each episode, just so you know we got your six. I don't know what you've been told, Sixers, but the lawyers would like us to remind you that the views, opinions, and comments expressed on the Got Your Six podcast are solely those of the hosts or guests to include current and previous Department of Defense employees and should in no way be considered the opinions of or endorsements on behalf of the Department of Defense or any of its components, divisions, contractors, or other current and previous staff members.